Amen. Good singing. Go ahead and remain standing. Yeah, take your Bibles, if you will. We're going to be in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 26 is where we are going to be. Matthew chapter 26, and we are preparing for a few things. Sunday morning, we're preparing for Easter and doing a series on that. And Sunday nights, we are getting ready for the Lord's Supper, and that's going to be the Tuesday before Easter. And of course, that is for all church, uh, all Corridor Baptist Church members. And but before we actually partake of the Lord's Supper, I think that it's needful. It's been several years now since we've actually done uh, an in-depth series on the Lord's Supper. And uh, boy, with um, with the consequences related to the Lord's Supper in taking it wrong and and not uh, studying up on it. Uh, I think it's good for us every once in a while just to get uh, get studied back up on it, on the Lord's Supper. So Matthew chapter 26 is where we're going to be tonight. Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse number 26, where the Word of God says, And as they were eating, that is, they were eating the Passover, Jesus took bread and blessed and brake it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, as we approach this ordinance that you have given to the church, I pray, dear Lord God, that we would approach it with the importance, Father, that it it deserves. And Lord God, I pray that you would just give us wisdom. Father God, we need you to lead us, and we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you can go ahead and be seated. In his establishing uh, the New Testament church, Jesus gave to his assembly two ceremonial ordinances to be practiced until his return. Of course, they are baptism, uh, which is only done once for the believer, and then, of course, there's the Lord's Supper, which the church is to do. The Bible says, as often as you do it, you do it in remembrance of me. Last week, we looked at the origination or the implementation of the Lord's Supper, where it came from. And uh, then we looked at, uh, looked at the Passover and how that uh, the, uh, the Passover is actually a type of the Lord's Supper. We can learn a lot about the Lord's Supper from the Passover. Tonight I want to look at two ways in which the Lord's Supper has been distorted, or the uh, two ways in which it has been misrepresented in churches today. And the first way that it has been misrepresented, the first way it's been distorted or mispracticed, is number one, it has uh, been, it's been, it's become too elaborate It's been elaborated in many churches today. Like baptism, many teach that the Lord's Supper is necessary for salvation. Understand that like baptism, the Lord's Supper is a picture and it's nothing more than that. Many churches today list it as a sacrament in their constitution or their doctrinal statements. And so as you look into different, uh, uh, different churches and you look into different uh, faiths and different practices, many of them list it as a sacrament. Now, now sacrament is a formal Christian rite, as baptism, especially one thought to have been instituted by Jesus as a means of grace. Now, we know they got it partially right. Jesus certainly did institute it, 
but it was not as a means of grace. Ephesians chapter 2 verse number 8 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, which would include uh, uh, ceremonial works. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And then in Titus, Paul writes to Titus, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So Paul elaborates on the grace of God and exactly what it is. And it's not works of righteousness. We are not saved by any works. We are not saved by any ceremonies, including the Lord's Supper or baptism. And they're not part of your salvation. In the Catholic Mass, a transformation takes place according to their doctrine that changes the bread into the literal body and the wine into the literal blood of Jesus. Thus, every time you take Mass... You are receiving Jesus, and you're receiving his blood. This doctrine is called transubstantiation. Though there is no biblical basis for this doctrine, it's derived from a misrepresentation of John chapter 6. Thus, every time they take communion, Jesus dies for their sins, his blood is shed for their sins, and they receive Jesus Christ. But, of course... If you read John chapter 6, you know that Jesus explains it. By the way, in John chapter 6, Jesus calls himself the bread of life. And Jesus says that you're to eat of the bread and that you're to drink of the blood. Uh, And they were offended in that. And Jesus explained, I'm not talking about literally eating my flesh and literally drinking, uh, drinking my blood. He says, because the flesh profits nothing, he would say. In other words, you can eat all the flesh that you want, but it's not going to gain you salvation, even if it's Jesus' flesh. The flesh profits nothing. He said it's the spirit that quickeneth, or the spirit that makes alive. And then he would go on to explain the words that I'm speaking unto you. They are spirit, and they are life. And so when he says, eat the bread, he's talking about the word of God. And when, he's, when he says to take it inside of you and to digest it and to ingest it, he's talking about us being in the Word, taking God's Word and taking it literally for what it is and what it's supposed to be. This, of course, uh, the fact uh, that they believe Jesus dies at every Mass is contrary to Scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 10 says, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And so it can't take place at every Mass. It can't take place multitude of times. Jesus Christ died once for all. His body was broken once for all. His blood was shed once for all. And so when we partake of the fruit of the vine, it is a picture and nothing more. It doesn't, it's not literally his blood. This represents his blood. And it reminds us that his blood was shed for our sins. Only an insufficient offering had to be made over and over and over again. 
Jesus is a sufficient offering that was made once for all. When Jesus died, it covered all the sins of the past. It covered all the sins of the future. When his blood was shed, it cleansed us from all our sins of the past and all our sins of the future, and the blood need not be shed ever again. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 4, talks about this very fact. In those sacrifices, meaning in those symbolic sacrifices of the Old Testament, we talked about one this morning, the Passover. How often was it done? Every year. Once a year. As a matter of fact, it, got, it came to the point where sometimes it was done more than once a year uh, because of armies being gone and things of that nature. And so it was something that happened over and over and over again. Listen to what to the, the writer of the book of Hebrews said. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 4, in those sacrifices... There's a remembrance again made of sins every year. Great example would be the Passover every year, year in and year out. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 12, the writer says, But this man, meaning Jesus Christ, the Son of God, This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there's no more offering for sins. So you can see if the mass uh, takes place and and Jesus' body is once again broken and his blood once again shed, It's a violation of Scripture. So we know this. It can't happen. It doesn't happen that way. Protestant churches, such as the Lutherans, teach that Jesus is in the bread and the wine, just as he came in the form of man. And so it's just a technicality. It's just like transubstantiation, only because he's in the bread. He literally is not the bread, but he's in the bread. He's in, his blood is in the wine. And uh, that's called consubstantiation. So instead of transubstantiation, it's consubstantiation. And, and, and that's a good word for it because it is a con. It, it, it's not true. It's not biblical. Listen, like baptism, the Lord's Supper is a picture and it causes remembrance. In Luke 22, verse number 19, Luke writes, he took bread. And gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Now, how could that literally be his body when his body was right there? And he was about to offer it the next day. Hey, they understood it to mean this represents my body. This is what I am about to do for you. And now we do it. And the meaning is a little bit different in that this is what he did do for us. It's not future tense. It's past. This is what he did do for us. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. 
says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show or picture the Lord's death till he come. You don't perform the Lord's death. It's already taken place. You show the Lord's death. And so every time we have the Lord's Supper and every time we come together with the unleavened bread and with the unfermented fruit of the vine, we do show the Lord's death. He, his, uh, the picture is in the elements. Bread representing his body that was sacrificed for sins. The fruit of the vine representing the blood that was shed for our sins. It's really that simple. So according to the scripture, pictures, representations, and religious rites have never saved anyone. You see, this is where the Jews got it wrong. When Jesus came and they kept relying on their offerings and their sacrifices. Jesus said, you understand, and I'm paraphrasing, You understand that those were just foreshadows. Those were just pictures. Those were supposed to point to the Messiah, to me. But they continued to rely on those offerings, to rely on those sacrifices. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 1 says this, For the law, that is the Old Testament offerings and sacrifices, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. And so no religious rite has ever saved anyone. It's always been, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, before the death of Christ or after the death of Christ, it's always been by faith, for by grace are you saved through faith. And, of course, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, or not just Hebrews chapter 11, but the book of Hebrews just, just nails that down over and over and over again, how that we are saved by faith. All right, so the second thing, the, the second way that uh, the Lord's Supper is misrepresented, not only is it overstated or is it, uh, uh, is it given more than it was expected, Um, I think another way that it's misrepresented or distorted is it's understated. The Lord's Supper is understated. And I think that in many of our Baptist churches, we understate, not just Baptist churches, but but in, in many churches today, we understate the Lord's Supper because it's been elevated by, uh, by, by so many. It's become part of salvation. And so to prove it's not part of salvation, we, we've understated it. We have taken it, and, and rather than it being a, a, a solemn thing, it is kind of something that we throw in there. I told you a couple weeks ago how that uh, I have visited many churches on a Sunday morning. We're on Sunday morning, as you walk in, they're handing, they're handing out the packets, the packets that have the, the juice and, and, and the wafer in them. And or they'll have a basket and they'll say, please take one. And as you're walking into the auditorium, you take a packet of juice and and on the top of the juice is the is the wafer. And then you walk in and then there is a brief mention of it. Hey, we are going to be here this morning. We're all here and we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. And this is what it is and this is what it means. Okay, let's do it. It's kind of like one, two, three, go. 
And that's just chaotic when you do it that way. And we need to understand understand that there was a grave penalty given to the church of Corinth for being so flippant with the Lord's Supper. I'm so thankful I was raised in a church where it's a rarity. The pastor made a big deal about the Lord's Supper constantly and continually. And I can see why. You read the scripture, you understand it was a big deal. So others teach that the where, the when, the why, and the how of the Lord's Supper, they're just not that important. The church in Corinth was guilty of taking a frivolous attitude toward the Lord's Supper, and it cost them. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you can go ahead and turn, uh, turn over there, keep your finger here in Matthew, but 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and um, of course any of you that have been with me uh, through this series before know that we, we, we have spent a lot of time in this chapter. 1 Corinthians, I've done many series in the book of 1 Corinthians because the church of Corinth shows us how not to do things. And, uh, of course, many people base their doctrine uh, in the book of 1 Corinthians, and it's just the opposite. This is how not to do things. This is how a church is not to practice. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 23, it says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink this or eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore... Whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now look at verse number 30. Paul says, For this cause... Many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. By the way, that sleep means that many have died. You know, Paul is analyzing this church, and one of the things he said before he started this subject was, uh, um, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. He says, the way that you are practicing the Lord's Supper, it's not improving your church. It's not making the church better. It's making the church worse. And then he concludes it by saying, for this reason, many of you are sick. Many of you are weak. And you've had to even perform a few funerals in your church because of the way that you have practiced the Lord's Supper. So here are the the two ways that it's being practiced today. Either we've elevated it to a point where it saves us, which only Jesus alone can save, 
or well, it's not part of our salvation, so we bring it way down here and we just toss we just toss the bread and we just toss the wine and we say, okay, now uh, just make sure that you're saved. All right, let's all do it together now. And I've actually been in services where that's pretty much how they do it. We need to come in between somewhere. We know it's not part of our salvation, but obviously God thought it was important enough that when it wasn't being practiced the right way, people were getting sick and people were dying. And there's also this condemnation here. The Bible says that uh, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. You know, this attitude certainly was wrong, and it was costly. Others just think that since it's not part of salvation, and this is individual Christians, well, since it's not part of my salvation, you know, why is it so important that I come on this Tuesday night? It's just another night out. It's just another night out of my schedule. And we're already coming Wednesday anyway, so so what's the point? What's the big deal? Well, because it's a different service altogether. It's a special service altogether. It is a time where we focus on this one thing, this memorial. We look at the bread, we look at the cup, we partake of it. We have hopefully gone through this series and examined ourselves and said, I want to be a part of that. But some are unwilling to partake of the Lord's Supper and uh, it's, of course, because of an unwillingness to judge ourselves or an unwillingness just to be faithful. First Corinthians chapter 11, since we're here, verse number 31. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 31. says, for if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Remember, he said, let a man examine himself and so let him eat and so let him drink. Oh, it's the big deal. I just won't show up. Well, the Bible says that we need to judge ourselves. The Lord's Supper is a good reminder of that. I need to judge myself. I need to judge where I am in my Christian walk. I need to, I need to examine myself, and then as I examine myself, judge myself, make those corrections, because if I don't make those corrections in my life, then God's going to have to make them for me. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid... If I would take the initiative, judge myself, examine myself, discipline myself, take care of the situation myself, then mom and dad wouldn't have to do the disciplining. They wouldn't have to do the judging. You say, what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, here's a good example. If you're in school and uh, you were in my house, and I'm going to assume this is most people's homes, when you're in school... Our, our parents expected us to, to do our best. They expected us to get good grades. And, you know, like all kids, every once in a while, you'd just start coasting. You'd start goofing off, and pretty soon the teacher would call you up or he'd give you a progress report and say, you need to get this taken care of. Well, that was your chance to examine yourself, to judge yourself, to discipline yourself before mom and dad had to get involved. And so if you did, guess what? Then mom and dad didn't have to get involved. Mom and dad didn't have to do the punishing. 
it is very, it is much better for us to judge ourselves so that we don't have to be judged. Now, there were those times where you just kind of blew off the progress report, blew off the warning, and then the actual report card comes, and now you're in trouble. And that's what, that, that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. Let a man examine himself. As you examine yourself, judge yourself. Take care of it. Get rid of whatever it is in your life that needs to be gotten rid of. Take that step of faith God expects you to take. In other words, if we judge ourselves, then we should not be judged. Look at what verse number 32 says. But when we are judged, that means we refuse to judge ourselves. We refuse to get things better and said, well, you know, I just have too many things in my life. I'm not going to go do, do the Lord's Supper. I'm just not in a position to do so. That means you didn't judge yourself. And the Bible says here, when we are judged, in other words, I refuse to judge myself. Now I've got to be judged. We're chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Hey, again, it's better to accept the progress report. And this is progress report time right now. And it's better to get it right now than to wait. Maybe even skip the Lord's Supper because, well, I don't want to eat eat and drink unworthily or in an unfit manner, well, then you've, did, you've done almost as bad. You have skipped the Lord's Supper. You have skipped his memorial because you weren't willing to get it right in your own life. When we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord. You ought to look up that word chastened. It's not a very nice word. It means lit, it, it, it's likened to getting spanked or getting whipped by the Lord. We're chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. So when we're unwilling to judge ourselves, then God has to judge us. We're starting now because it may take time. Examine ourselves. We still have several weeks, but we ought not let another day go by, let alone another week, without examining ourselves and getting things right. So we, uh, we don't want to understate the Lord's Supper we're certainly not going to overstate it. It's not part of your salvation. If you're here tonight, you know Christ is your personal Savior. The Lord's Supper does not further your salvation. But we certainly want to have a right relationship with Him. We want to be in communion with Him so we can have communion with Him. We're starting now because it may take time to judge ourselves. Proverbs chapter 28, verse number 13 says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. And the Lord's Supper is all about that mercy. Jesus died, his blood was shed. Without the shedding of blood is no remission of sins, but because the blood was shed, our sins can go into remission. Fasting and prayer may be required to get a sin out of your life. Uh, Mark 9, 29, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and by fasting. So we have time to get things taken care of. We don't want to overstate the Lord's Supper. We don't want to understate the Lord's Supper. We want to be educated concerning the Lord's Supper. Too many churches teach nothing on the Lord's Supper. There's huge, there is a huge price to pay for being 
non-offensive. And in the next several weeks, we're going to go into the administration of the Lord's Supper. My, who has the authority to, uh, to administer the Lord's Supper? We're actually going to get into the church and, and what is the church. All this becomes offensive unless you're a believer in the Word of God, a literal believer in what the Word of God has to say. So the lesson tonight, how is the, how is the Lord's Supper distorted? How is it misrepresented? It's overstated. It's understated. But we take, we, we take it as something that is, it's, is important. It is not part of your salvation. It's not a sacrament. But it is a memorial. As often as we eat this bread and as often as we drink this cup, we do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread. Notice it doesn't say let a man examine himself and then let him decide. That option is not given to us. Let a man examine himself and get it taken care of. Judge yourself so that the judge does not have to judge you. Let a man examine himself and then let him eat and let him drink. Are you ready for the Lord's Supper? Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. With every head bowed and with every eye closed. Sometimes a trip to the old-fashioned altar is required before getting ready for the Lord's Supper. And there's no shame in that. The shame is not when we don't use the altar. Because then comes the judgment. If you know Christ as your personal Savior, 